Welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday, your opportunity to get some good review by listening to episodes from the past that Jason has handpicked to help you today in the present and propel you into the future. Enjoy. Hey, Jason, congratulations on your 1,000 podcasts. Uh, that's amazing. You are so productive. Not only that for creative wealth, but everything else that you do. Pretty incredible. Hope all is well. Just want to let you know I'm thinking about you and hope things are going great. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome listeners from around the world. This is episode 1034, episode 1034. This is your host, Jason Hartman. Thank you so much for joining me today. As I am coming to you so gratefully and so thankfully from Southern Florida. Yes, back in the USA. It's great to be back, back from Europe, where I visit a couple of times a year. I guess you could say it's my homeland. I was born there. So now, you know, I can't run for president, (laughs) not that I could win, but uh, I was not born in the United States. I was born in Europe, the land of scarcity versus America, the land of abundance. Yes, Europe, where everything is smaller, lesser, and lamer than it is in America. But I do visit there a couple of times a year. It seems like every year I was gone for almost a month this time. I like to visit, but I got to tell you, It is so hard to get anything done there. It is unbelievable. I just can't imagine if I was in business in Europe. Now, of course, we say Europe, it's a generalization because every country is different, right? But, you know, the overriding theme is bureaucracy, socialism, difficult to do things. Everybody talks about the procedure. It's This is our procedure. Don't you understand? We can't actually think we're drones. This is the procedure. Anyway, I got to stop picking on Europe because I'm going to offend more of my European audience. Hey, sorry. I know if you're in Europe and you're listening to this, you are not one of them and you are frustrated by exactly what I'm telling you because it is frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's kind of like attitude that the government will solve all your problems. I just, it just weaves its way through every part of life. You know, people say, why do you talk about politics so much? Politics, it's like air. You know, it's a big deal. It's the context in which we live. It impacts so much of our lives. But, you know, whatever. We don't have to keep on that. So what else is going on here? So uh, the economy is booming. Congratulations to Trump. Love him or hate him. Surpassed his uh, growth goals in the last quarter. 4.1%. I think I talked about that on the last episode. Things, they are booming. But let me tell you something before I bring on our guest today. You've heard him on the show before. Before we bring him on, let me tell you something. I love a good recession. <laughs> yes, I do love a good recession. Why do I love a good recession? Because people 
act better in a good recession. Here's what I mean by that. Even good people, people that are moral, ethical people, even they are human and they get busy and they become ungrateful and they stop trying when everything is handed to them too easily. And I got to tell you, in an economy that is booming, people start to suck. <laughs> they just do. They become ungrateful about their customers. Don't let me ever get like that. I will never be like that. I tell you, I am always grateful for my customers and uh, clients. Maybe that's because I grew up poor. I hope I never take them for granted, but a lot of people do. And the other thing that happens is in a booming economy, in a booming environment, every flake under the sun comes out of the woodwork. I mean, they just come out of the woodwork because it's so easy to earn money that everybody can make it when times are booming, when money is sloshing around everywhere, when times are bad, when it's harder to get by, when it's harder to make it, when it's harder to establish oneself in the marketplace where inventory isn't scarce and reputation matters and treating customers well matters, well then, you know, you don't see these people. They go back uh, under the stone, you know, that they live under or they go back to delivering pizza or working at Starbucks or whatever they do. But boy, when the economy is booming, every flake comes out of the woodwork. So two components here I'm mentioning, okay? And and you've all noticed it in your life, right? It doesn't have to be in real estate. It's in every area of life. The service isn't as good. The people don't care as much because, hey, business is booming. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, you know, the rising tide floats all ships, right? That's the old saying, the rising tide floats all the ships. And so that's kind of the thing that is frustrating about a really good booming economy. Otherwise, hey, it's great. It's great. But uh, it is frustrating. And you look at it and, you know, there are all these, you know, new gurus out there, right? And they haven't even been through a cycle yet. They weren't doing what I do during the Great Recession, and they certainly weren't doing it during the three recessions before that. I mean, look, folks, I've been doing this for more than a quarter of a century. Yes, I know. I'm old. <laughs> I've been doing it for more than a quarter of a century, okay? I've been through the cycles. I've seen it happen, and you know, there is a lot to learn from that experience. I remember when I was younger and more cocky, and <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, you're still cocky. No, I'm not. I'm much more humble now because I've been through a few things. You know, I thought, eh, it's so easy. You know, you don't need to listen to these slow moving experienced people. I'm bored with all that, right? Let me just go out and make money. The sun's shining everywhere, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I tell you, you know, those older experienced people, they know something. <laughs> they, they've seen things that you haven't seen. They've experienced things that you haven't experienced. And in, in the real estate business, you know, I don't think I'm going to declare something here. Maybe you'll think I'm nuts. I think out of anybody in this business that does what we do, basically helping people buy investment properties nationwide and build nationwide portfolios of real estate, I am going to declare that I think I am the most experienced person in this business. Yeah, I think I am. My closest competitor is 
dramatically less experienced than I am. And that's my closest competitor, okay? Who I like, by the way. I like my competitor. Well, this particular one. Some of them I don't like because some of them are just crooks. Well, I don't want to say that too strong because I'm about to get sued. Okay, so <laughs> some of them are just sleazy operators. <laughs> put it that way. But hey, you know, my closest competitor, I'm more experienced than that person by about twofold. So there you go. There you go. I think I'm the most experienced person in this place. I've had hundreds of tenants hundreds of properties, you know, done all kinds of stuff in in this uh, field. So that is my cocky statement for the day. Tell me if I'm wrong. Am I wrong? Is there someone more experienced than me that does what I do? JasonHartman.com slash ask. Put me in my place and tell me I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I've been involved in probably, I, I was kind of adding this up in my head the other day, and it's not an exact number, not an exact number. But I've been involved, I think, in about 10,000 real estate transactions. 10 grand, 10,000. And think about it. If you do the math, when I was in resale real estate, you know, I'd sell anywhere between maybe 50 and 100 houses a year, depending on the year. And heck, I did that for many, many, many years, almost 20. And then in this business, I know they overlapped a little bit. You know, I've been doing this for 14 years and they overlapped a bit there in between. I was kind of doing both. You know, we've done maybe a few thousand transactions now in this side of the business. So yeah, that's a lot of experience. Okay. I will shut up now because I know I'm boring you with all my experience. Okay. Let me welcome back a returning guest and a client of ours. We'll do a little case study here, uh, and that is Adam Schroeder. Adam, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Good. It's good to have you. And folks, you might remember that when Adam was on the show before, he shared this awesome thing as I was staying at his house for a couple days. Uh, it was great staying there with you and the kids. And uh, Adam has four kids, so he's We're busy. We're all thankfully resting right now. Yes, yes, yes. So that's why I don't hear all this noise in the background. Like, you know, you leave me these Voxer messages and it sounds like a chaos over there, Adam. It's crazy. But uh, I think when you're a parent, you become a little bit immune to that sound. You know, it's just sort of like a, a dull roar. You know, you, you get kind of you get kind of immunized to it a little bit. But anyway, fan in the background. Yeah, yeah. It's like a fan. In the, it's like white noise, your white noise machine, right? Um, yeah. But you might remember Adam had this awesome family mission statement on the wall in his uh, family room in the house. And it was on the wall on like canvas and had this really cool thing and talked about it on the show before. So that was good, Adam. But today you have some management and self-management, we're talking property management, questions. Uh, apparently you stumped your property, one of your property managers. You've got uh, a few houses in Memphis, I know. Are you in another market too? I can't remember. Where are you? We have three in Memphis right now, and we just signed a purchase agreement for one in Jackson on Friday. Jackson, Mississippi. Yes. Good stuff. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. -S -S okay, good. <laughs> I remember learning to spell that when I was a kid. <laughs> so you put that one under contract. Okay. Now, you're not self-managing anything, right? You're doing uh, property management all the way, right? Professional right. management? Okay. Right now we and, have that, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you had some questions for me. I think you said you stumped your property manager a little bit too with some questions. Uh, tell us about that. So I was just going along with the standard property management. And then I went to meet the masters. And y'all had the kind of discussion of the hybrid model and I got interested in it. And you also during one of the property management sessions, 
you brought up some points that I thought, oh, I need to ask my property manager about that and find out. And so I started asking him questions and Okay, so wait a sec. Wait, wait, wait. Let me say a couple things. So this was our Meet the Masters conference where we had Ron Paul speak and John Burns and a bunch of other speakers. Last January in La Jolla, you were there. You mm-hmm. you actually did a little couple of broadcasts from that that I thought was a super creative idea. So thank you for doing that. And you, by the way, I didn't say this, but you are located in Austin, Texas. Okay, so just wanted to give a little perspective, but go ahead with what you're saying. I started asking him questions saying, hey, can I get this? Hey, can I get that? Hey, this was mentioned at Meet the masters you know can i get that from you and it just became the more questions i asked the longer it took to get a response and Mm -hmm. then we had our annual or semi-annual walkthrough and they did the walkthrough but we didn't get the report for two to three months and then there were some problems that they wanted to fix and i said okay well there's no picture of that on the report i need a picture of that to justify the expense and it took another couple weeks or a month to get the pictures and to get all the answers and it just became a nightmare and I started thinking you know what if I'm going to go through all of this hassle getting an answer from them I may as well just do it myself Mm -hmm. but before I do it myself I wanted to get a little bit more clarity which is why I wanted to do this podcast with you yeah well you know what folks this is what I've been saying about self-management okay and I don't know that that's where we're going with this because by the way this interview is completely impromptu. I have no idea what Adam's going to ask me, okay? But if it's about self-management, you know, a lot of you think that it's harder to self-manage. I submit to you that it could be a lot easier. You know, like some people think, well, I don't have the time to manage my own properties, right? Folks, sometimes it's less time to do it yourself. Here's a great example that I have shared before. In the old days, people wouldn't type their own letters, right? You know, I remember my mom when I was a kid. My mom was executive director of the Leukemia Society, and she had a secretary. And the secretary, I remember hanging out at the office there because, you know, I was a latchkey kid. And so (laughs) I just hang out at her office a lot and I'd work there too, you know, and they'd pay me like nothing. But (laughs) anyway, and, and this was in Santa Monica, California. And my mom would say, hey, Pam, come in. Pam was her, one of her secretaries at the time. Pam, come in and take a letter. (laughs) And Pam would bring in a steno pad, stenographer pad, and write shorthand and write what my mom would tell her and then go type it, right? How many people do that nowadays? No, everybody types their own stuff. They email it, right? Nobody has people typing their own stuff anymore, okay? It's just not done because it's just easier to do it yourself. Same is true with like, you know, booking travel, for example. You know, I used to have Karen, who's been on the show, and, you know, she used to be our operations manager when we had our uh, big offices in Orange County, California. And Karen used to book my travel for me. Well, you know what I realized? As good as Karen is, it's easier for me to just do it myself. I just You don't need to have a middleman for some of this stuff. Sometimes it's just easier to do it yourself. So anyway, that's my thing on self-management. Okay, Adam, go ahead. Sorry. In relation to that, so what happened, the one that really spawned this was they did the home inspection on one of our properties. They emailed it to me on May 29th. Aaron and I looked at it. Aaron's my wife. We looked at it that night. We responded on the 30th. And then she said they would reach out and get some more photos that day. She sent it on the 30th. And then on June 26th, I emailed them and said, hey, I haven't heard anything and I wanted to check in. 
and they didn't respond. And on July 13th, I emailed them and I copied Oliver, actually my investment counselor, because they tend to respond more whenever I include him. And on July 13th, and then July 17th, Oliver sent an email saying, hey, what's going on? And then she responded to that. She responded to Oliver once he got involved. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. it went from May 29th to July 17th. Just to get, Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, just, just to, to get, get the simplest pictures, thing. Yeah. Just to get pictures yeah. of this, right. of the damage. So my question is, as I'm considering the possibility, and as I'm, we're probably going to go into self-management in that market, what information do I need to get from the current property manager to be ready for the switch? Do I need to get anything from them? The first thing is, everybody should always have a library of pictures on every property they own. Okay. You always need that because every time you remarket the property, you need that. And just your property manager should just give you a complete file. Now, some of the stuff they're going to say they can't give you because of the tenant's privacy. And this is another battle you don't have to engage in if you self-manage. You know, there are laws, of course, protecting the tenant's privacy. But if you take the middleman out and you manage your own properties, you hold those documents. Now, you've got to be respectful of all that, of course, but that's a separate issue. But we've had cases, maybe like once or twice, I remember this coming up out of thousands of deals where the tenant will owe the landlord money at the end of the lease, right? They'll either have some damages to the property or, you know, maybe they've had an eviction or something, right? And the landlord wants to pursue a judgment against the tenant, but the property manager will say, well, we can't provide you a copy of their application and credit report because that violates our obligation to the tenant's privacy, right? Well, if you don't have a manager and you're the manager, you have that. So if you need to get that information for a collection agency, you got it, right? There's no battle. It just amazes me how lame some of these managers are sometimes. And and listen, they're not all lame, okay? I know I make it sound like they are by the way I talk. You know why? Because I don't point out all the good things they do. And that's not fair. Okay, I will be the first to admit they do a lot of good things. They do a lot of stuff right. But that's not what we're talking about. Remember, I'm a complainer. Okay, and complainers change the world. There's a Jason Hartman quote. (laughs) Gandhi was a complainer. Martin Luther King was a complainer. Rosa Parks was a complainer. (laughs) Complainers change the world. That's my excuse for being a complainer. I don't know if it works, but (laughs) anyway. So you need to get a complete file. And you need to have a full library of pictures on all your properties, okay? Always keep that nicely organized on your computer. So whenever you have the property go up for lease. And then you can also, I want to remind you all, you can use a service called wegolook.com. Wegolook.com. Interviewed them on the show before. You might remember the episode where I had the uh, the CEO of wegolook.com on. And for 69 bucks, they'll go look at things, take multiple pictures, report on things for you. Super handy service for remote management. So is there something in particular you're thinking besides just a complete file on the property? No, I mean, if it was pictures and kind of what kind of paperwork I can actually get from the property manager, like I had to ask, I realized after Meet the Masters that I didn't have the actual lease 
mm-hmm. signed lease from the tenant. Yeah. So I got right. those, but right. I didn't know of course if there was you any, get all that. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. didn't know if there were any other things that I wasn't thinking of that I needed to get from them. So you're saying there's a chance I could get the application, but there's uh, also you know, a chance they may not. They may, they may, I don't know, you know, just see what they're going to say. But you tell them you want a complete file and, you know, everything. I mean, you know, you have the right to it. Uh, they may bring up the privacy thing a little bit. Okay. They may object to some of that stuff. But what I would say is, look, if they do that, just say, okay, if there's something you can't show me, then I want a redacted application. If you need to take something off of that and redact it for tenant privacy purposes that you can't give to me, then send me the application redacted. Just black out the information that I can't see. Okay. And then after we're switching, I'm assuming I'm, I should send a letter or an email to the actual tenant to say, hey, you're going to be yes. in contact with me. What all do I need to give them? Or what all should I give them? You don't really need to give them anything except tell them where to send the rent. And, you know, I would just exchange contact information with them. You're going to find that most of these tenants are just decent people and they want to maintain a nice relationship with you. And you're going to find that everything's going to be great. And you're going to find that a lot of them do a lot of the repair work for you for free. So that's nice too. <laughs> so Okay. And so whenever you have to sign a new rent contract, where do you find like the contracts and all of the things you're going to need to oh, either re-up yeah. the current tenant or to find a new tenant? Yeah, yeah, good question. So you can either get them from a property manager or a real estate agent in that local area. And by the way, these go state by state. But, you know, if it's in Memphis, even the property manager you're leaving, you can get it from them, okay? Because, you know, a good way to sort of change that relationship rather than end that relationship is to say to them, look, I still need a la carte services. When the tenant turns between tenants, I need you to handle that for me. How much will you charge me? And some will say, well, we don't do that. You know, they don't do a la carte or unbundled services, but a lot of them do it. Okay. So you can find a property manager that does it, or you can have a real estate agent do it. And the real estate agents and property managers have access to the form library with all the different forms and documents. Now, that's one place, okay? That's a good place to get the stuff. But you can also go to places like NOLO, NOLO Press, NOLO.com, N-O-L-O.com. I think, you know, I mean, that may not be their exact website, but I think it's probably nolo.com. They have a lot of great books on property management, and they have a form library on their site. You can buy forms there. You know, you could buy them on amazon.com. Stationary stores sell generic forms. You can uh, get them at places like rocketlawyer.com. There are zillions of places. These forms are not a big deal, okay? It's just not a big deal. And so if they don't do a la carte services, or if I'm not interested in having them do it, just say, what's the best way to find an agent that will actually know what they're doing? Well, yeah, know what they're doing is a whole good question (laughs) because most of them don't know what they're doing. But, you know, what happens when you use a la carte services is there's always a little bit of tension because you're always automatically dangling a little carrot in front of them because they want to get your business. You know, if it's a real estate agent that doesn't do property management, they want to form a relationship with you because, you know, the likelihood is with most people, you know, in five years, you're going to sell that property property or three years, you know, or you might refer them to someone or you might want to buy 
another investment property in the area. You know, so they always know that there's maybe some future business coming, right, with a real estate agent. With a property manager, it's kind of the same thing. They want to get your property management account. So you can go and you can find property managers. You can look at Yelp and read reviews and stuff. Like I've said before, I just want to caution everybody that one of the challenges with property managers is the conflict of interest problem. You know, there's an old saying, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. So a property manager might have bad Yelp reviews, but that might be because they're strict with the tenants and the tenants hate that. So actually reading and looking at the reviews is important. So, you know, you got to sift through them. I mean, you know, you can't believe anything you read online, but it's better than nothing, right? It's a guide. And get a referral, you know, get a referral from your investment counselor at our company, get a referral from other uh, investors that you meet at our events. Those are good ways too. So there's lots of ways to do it. I just think that the type of relationship you get into with a full-fledged property management agreement Unless the property manager is really good, some of them are really good, most are mediocre and some of them just suck, okay? Let's face it. (laughs) Um, Is that even if they're really good or mediocre, you know, they get complacent. You know, with property management, it's like you have a contract. You're stuck with them, right? You know, whereas if it's an a la carte service, you know, you're not stuck with them. And everybody just views the relationship differently, okay? You know, I'll give you an example. In traditional real estate, like I used to be in traditional real estate for many years, right? The agents that had really long listing agreements, when someone wanted to sell their house, and if they gave me a really long listing agreement, I'm going to be a little more complacent about that. I hate to say it, right? It's just human nature. Because you have time. The listing's not going to expire, you know, the seller is locked up. They've committed to you for X amount of time. If the listing agreement's short, you know, it motivates them to work a little harder. Now, you don't want to make it too short that they're going to think, uh, I'm probably not going to sell this house anyway, right? Because it's just not enough time. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. But there's a happy medium there in that relationship, right? Does that answer it? Yeah, I think so. So what kind of fees should I expect? Should I expect the general fees that I'm currently paying my property manager, which is like half a month's rent? Yeah, it varies by area. So some areas, the properties go into the multiple listing service, the MLS. And in some areas, they don't. Okay, so it depends. And in some areas, the MLS fee to the co-broker or the agent that brings in the tenant, if they're co-brokering the deal, will be 3% of the lease term. So how that works is an example of, say the property is about 800 bucks a month, just as an example, right? Because I'm making it a round number. That'll be about $10,000 a year if it's a one-year lease, right? 3% would be $300, okay? That each agent would get 600 total, okay, that they'd split. But it's probably not going to be that on that low of a rent. So it might be half a month's rent. It might be 75% of the first month's rent. It might be one month's rent, okay? Or it might be a different scheme altogether, like I mentioned with the MLS. Now, here's the thing. You could make an agreement with a real estate agent 
or a property manager, but maybe even more likely a real estate agent that says, look, I'll do all the marketing. Don't worry about it. And you go list the property on postlets. You've got the pictures. You've got beautiful pictures of your houses. And you put it online and you list it yourself. And maybe you set up an email address, okay, that's a special email address that's like, adamsmemphisproperties.com or something like that, right? And this email address forwards to you, to your regular email address, and to whatever real estate agent or property manager's address. You put that address on your Postlets account, your Zillow account, whatever, Craigslist, if you put it there. And then Every time a lead comes in, every time a tenant says they're interested in that property, a prospective tenant, you both get the email and you both see how many leads are coming through. And, you know, a lot of these sites have dashboards on the back end where you can look there and so forth. And it's just a whole different relationship when you see what's going on and you have some control over that relationship. And you know what? When I've done this, it motivates the property manager. Because, you know, I say to them, hey, look, we got a dozen inquiries last week. What happened to all those prospective tenants? You know, it's just a whole different dynamic, Adam. It's great. It's great. Get a little control of this relationship. And this doesn't take a lot of time. It's just really, it's like, hey, should I call someone into my office to dictate an email to them or just write it myself, right? Now, getting into insurance, I think right now, the way our insurance is set up is we're on a master policy with the property manager. Do you mm, recommend yes. individual policies or lumping it uh, together for a commercial yeah. policy? That's a toughie. Okay. So probably the individual policies are going to be better. Okay. Probably. I'm not an insurance expert. Okay. But I just know how I got burned and another one of our clients got burned by that affinity group management. They also go by N whatever, National Real Estate Insurance Group, NRE, however that is, G or whatever, uh, IG, you know, National Real Estate Insurance Group. And now I think they're under um, REI Guard or something like that. I'm, don't quote me on this because I'm not sure. But they're using all these different names out there. And... I know that there have been many complaints about them, and they burned me. They wouldn't pay a claim that I had. Uh, I know that they wouldn't pay one of our other clients' claims, too. And this was one of these very inexpensive insurances and insurance uh, policies where they would insure your whole portfolio of properties. They wouldn't charge you much at all. But then when the claims, you know, when it was time to make a claim, you know, they got a million excuses not to pay you. And that was really annoying. Individual insurance is probably going to be better. But again, insurance has become a bit complicated, and um, I'm not an expert. Now, we've had Ed Babkus on the show before. He's been at several of our events. You know, He's insured a lot of our clients' uh, properties uh, over the years, and you know, he's kind of talked about the difference between that. And just look for those past episodes about insurance. Maybe go to jasonhartman.com and just type insurance, and you'll see them come up because there's a lot more detail there. Now, I know you're a huge fan of pet rent. Mm -hmm. Yep. Do you... And I'm a huge fan of pets, too. Yeah. I love animals. <laughs> but they got to pay their way. <laughs> Do yeah. you currently charge pet rent for your... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And what have you found is a reasonable amount? 25 bucks per pet. 
Okay. Yeah. So if they if they've got two cats, you know, you might make them a better deal. You know, maybe make it forty for two or twenty five for one. You know, twenty five bucks a month. I mean, look, folks, every institutional landlord is charging pet rent. Why aren't we doing it? Institutional landlords, in other words, that own big apartment complexes. And also, you know, these Wall Street firms, you know, private equity groups that own all these thousands of houses that they're renting, they nickel and dime people for everything, okay? Folks, you should be nickel and diming a little bit. (laughs) You know, it's the way it is in the marketplace. If they can charge it, you can charge it. It's much nicer to live in a single-family home than in a crummy apartment building. So why can't we charge that stuff, too, just like they are? And mostly, it's that the single-family home landlords just aren't asking for it. Just ask for it. You'll be surprised how often you get it. This will be continued on the next episode. Thank you for listening, and happy investing. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.